Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. I'm so glad you're here. It felt so good last week and this week especially. Matthew chapter 1. And would you stand with me <clears throat> as you find that? I want Well, I'll tell you what. Stay seated for a second. I want to make an introduction. Um, how many of you like getting presents? I mean, like getting a present. I do. Now, I love giving presents. It's much more fun to give than it is received, but I still like getting a gift. Hint, hint. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, I think everybody in this room likes it. You know, you may, somebody may say, What do you want? I don't want anything. Well, it doesn't matter. If somebody gets you something, you still say, That was nice. We like getting gifts. Well, there is a present that is not talked enough about, okay, especially at Christmas time. And it is the present of God's presence. The present of God's presence. Think about it. Think about what Christmas actually is. Christmas is that God stepped into this dark, angry, bitter, sinful world. And he stayed. At least he stayed where he's welcome. It is in so many of our Christmas hymns and our Christmas carols. How many remember? Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the heavens looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. So far, so good. It's just a baby Jesus. But listen to the third verse. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Did you notice? Did you notice the doctrine of the incarnation? The truth about God coming and being near to us, the presence of God. You see, go to now. I want you to go to Matthew chapter one. Stand with me. We're going to read verse eighteen to twenty-three. I missed this, so we get to stand. Read loud with me, would you? Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen to twenty-three. Matthew one eighteen. Together, ready. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. You may be seated. Now, did you notice that the baby was given not just one name, but 
two names. That first name, what was the first name that Joseph, you're going to call this baby what? What was his name going to be? Jesus. Did you know Jesus actually describes what he does? What does Jesus come to do? For he shall save his people from their sins. That's what that baby is going to do. But he was given a second name. Did you notice that second name? What was the second name? Emmanuel. And Emmanuel describes what he is. What was this baby? He is God with us. What an incredible thought. Um, uh, it comes from a promise made to King Ahaz back in Isaiah chapter 7. Why don't you go back there? We're going to look at some scriptures this morning, so we might as well get used to it. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Ahaz was asked to think of something that was impossible for God to do. And he says, oh, I don't want to bother God. And God says, you can't bother me, dude. So he says, I'll give you something I'll do that is absolutely impossible. You ready? Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This this is something, Not there are three impossibilities that God introduces and overwhelms Ahaz with, King Ahaz. He says, number one, a virgin is going to have a baby without a man. That is an impossibility. We call it a miraculous conception. Then he says, by the way, that baby is going to be a boy. Now, normally when you have a child, it's 50-50. You might have a boy, you might have a girl. But the prophecy hangs upon Nobody wants to hang on a 50-50 chance. It has to be a boy. And the third impossibility, and it's, it's most impossible of all, that this person was going to be God. This baby was going to be God right there in their lap, right them, right there with them. Of all the names that Jesus has been given, Emmanuel's my favorite. Because Emmanuel means God with us. Not just someone who says, I've got your back. I'm with you, buddy. God didn't say, I'm with you, like I'm with you on this in this argument. But the name Emmanuel means that the very presence of God is here with us, even in this room of this morning right now, because of Christmas. Now, what is amazing is that Scripture begins and ends not with the existence of God takes that for granted, but with the presence of God. At creation, it said that God already existed. And then it says when he made the universe, his presence hovered and moved upon the face of the earth. That was his presence. He loved being near his creation. Then when he created that garden, he put Adam and Eve in there. It says and the Lord God walked in the midst of that garden with Adam and Eve. The emphasis of the start and the end, as we'll see of the Bible, is not just the existence of God. I mean, a lot of people debate, does God exist? That debate is settled. The question is, does he want to be close to us? That is what Emmanuel is showing us. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, way to the right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians 6 in verse 16. 
in the heart of the believer, God does him amazing. He takes up residence. Now, I believe God lives in heaven. Amen. Our Father, which art where? In heaven. Okay, so far, so good. But it gets a whole lot more personal when we realize he's not just there. He's here. Second uh, Corinthians 6.16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Is it right to have an idol in a temple? Yes or no? No. There is no agreement. They are, they are totally opposites. No other gods. And then he goes on and he says, For ye, you all, believers, are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will Emmanuel in them. I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. What an amazing statement that God wants to live in me. Now, the truth is, you know this, God is omnipresent. You ever heard that word? Um, uh, uh, omnipresent means he's everywhere, just like air, okay? You can go from here, go to London, go to Paris, go to Timbuktu. Air is everywhere, right? But it's impersonal. I have no relationship with air, do you? I just need it. But God, who is omnipresent, go to Psalm 139, does not only seek does does not just seek to exist. Psalm 139. <clears throat> and verse 7. David is asking. Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go? We'd say, where should I go from thy presence? Is that what it says? No, from thy spirit. Or whither shall I flee from thy, here's our word, presence. Where am I going to get? How do I get away from you, God? Is it possible to get away from God? Verse 8, if I ascend up to heaven, obviously thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, guess what? Behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, I find some island nobody lives on, nobody knows about. Even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Isn't that good? God is everywhere. But that's not the best part of God. Because Emmanuel tells us there's something more. And that is God's closeness. The Bible emphasizes God's closeness. Uh, more than his omnipresence. Go to Revelation. Now, have you ever heard somebody say, uh, and, and don't you believe that for most people, God is very far away from them? You ever hear anybody say, oh, I don't feel close to God. Maybe you felt that way. Um, but the presence of God in every human life is the goal of God's Son. Not just, He does not want to just save your soul. He wants to be near you. He wants to be Emmanuel, God with you. Revelation chapter 21, in verse 3. Way out in the new heaven and new earth, look at what the goal of God Almighty is. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. So God wants to be with us. 
But to fulfill that goal, God actually, instead of, now you think about God is all powerful. Why couldn't God just snap his fingers? Why couldn't God just speak and say, you're all forgiven? Why couldn't God just command salvation for everybody? Yeah. And salvation requires that God had to step down into human flesh and experience what we experience, still live right, and then allow not only cruel men to torture him, not only the devil to test and to torture him, but also the wrath of God to be poured out upon him so that he could prove that he wants us and that he invites us to a relationship with him. He became like us so that we could go and be with him. So God writes himself into his own story to bring salvation of sinful men to himself. God put himself in the story, which is fantastic, folks. But there's a problem. Say, well, what's the problem? Why couldn't God just fix things? Well, there is a wall between me and God. There's a wall between all of humanity and God. And what is that wall built of? Three-letter word, sin. Uh, Isaiah 59, back to the left, find Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1. When sin entered into this world, it ruined everything. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold, the Bible says, becomes cold. You know what ruins a marriage? Sin, secret sin, bad attitudes, bitterness. It's sin that ruins things. It's not, well, I just don't get along with so-and-so. No, sin is the problem. And if you deal with sin, you'll have paradise again. Look at the Bible, Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Well, where was God in 9-11? Where was God when my brother, he went through cancer treatments and died? Where was God? I'll show you where God was. He's always been there. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So sin ruins us, ruins our lives. It numbs us. Um, I fear, I mean, I've already seen it. I've seen it over the last generation. Marriages don't work today. You know why? There is so much sin coming into a marriage. I don't know how they get along with each other. They're already uh, selfish, self-centered creatures trying to put them together and getting them to love one another selflessly is next to impossible outside of the grace of God. And it's sin that is destroying, numbing us so that we don't even care. We don't care that, that our kids don't have a relationship with us, that our brothers and sisters, they don't have a relationship with each other, that churches, Christians don't don't strive and don't yearn to be together. We're so insensitive because of sin. It sears our conscience so that we don't even care. If I said, hey, so-and-so needs something, could you go take care of it? Well, no, I'm busy. You don't even think that, you know what, I'll sacrifice what I want to be a blessing because I care. Caring's out the window. It desensitizes us to God's very presence. It makes us run from God and fear him when he taps us on the shoulder. And we don't enjoy him like maybe we did when we first got saved. So let me ask you a question before I get on to that. Would you really like to enjoy Christmas this year? You really want to enjoy Christmas this year? Then let's learn, to how to, let's learn how to enjoy the presence of God more than any presence under the, presence under the tree. It's called the fullness of the Spirit. 
when I was seven years old, I was not a Christian. I was selfish, self-centered, carnal. I was just, all, life was all about me. What other seven-year-old is there? And I remember having a dream on Christmas Eve. I still remember the dream. I went to bed and I dreamed that every gift under the tree was for me. And I, I had a dream that the sitting room was filled from floor to ceiling with gifts for me. All with my, and that I would have to take all day taking the gifts and putting them in my room and stacking them on top of each other and making a pathway through my room to my dresser and over to my bed and up to my closet. And it was just, I dreamed of having a room full of gifts. I wanted to, I wanted to be full of materials and things. Now that I'm saved, I want to know the fullness of the Spirit. I want more than anything. Somebody asked me, I've had my family over in the States say, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? I have no idea. Give me a tie. Okay? But I know what I want. I want the fullness of the Spirit. I want the awareness of the presence of God and the, and the awareness of the lack of it. I want to know when I'm empty. I don't want to just live and drive. Listen, you have to have oil in your engine, amen? And if you drive without it, paying attention to the oil in the engine, you will drive that car into the ground. And we Christians have gone weeks, months, maybe their whole life, never experiencing the fullness of God's Spirit. They've gone on empty all their life, and no wonder they're bitter and angry and crouchy 24-7. So I want to talk, first of all, about the reality of Emmanuel. And I need you to go to Zechariah chapter 2 because it is promised over and over. And I'll give you just one, one scripture here, Zechariah. Now, if you want to know where Zechariah is, just for Matthew. So if you find Matthew, go left. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 10. You'll find, if you'll pay attention to this message, you'll find Emmanuel. You won't find the word Emmanuel, but you'll find the concept, you'll find the truth, the reality of Emmanuel throughout Scripture. Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Now, you know who's talking here? It's God. <clears throat> this is not the prophet. This is not a king. This is God Almighty. And he says, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I Come, and I will, Emmanuel, I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. Amen. There's a promise. It is throughout Scripture. That's why in Matthew 1, it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, shall bear a son, and he's the fulfillment of that promise. He is Emmanuel. God promised it. For a brief time, the world experienced it. Go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. For a brief period of time, for about 33 and a half years, the world experienced the very presence of Emmanuel, the very presence of God. John chapter 1, and start in verse 1. Circle the word, word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
in him. Who's the him? We know him as Jesus. But look at this. Jesus is going to become Emmanuel in just a minute. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness appreciates it not, comprehends it not. Verse 14. Now watch that word. And the word emmanuel <laughs> I just verbed a noun. I'm not supposed to do that. But the word became flesh. The word was made flesh. And Emmanuel among us, dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. First John has the apostle John says, we, we, we saw the word of God. We heard him speak. We handled him. I touched Emmanuel. I rested upon the chest of Emmanuel. I heard his heartbeat. John said, I handled the Son of God. I handled. For a brief time, the world experienced Emmanuel. Go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3.16. Now, that's a mystery. I mean, Paul calls it a mystery. It's obvious. How do you explain almighty God, infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent, squishing himself into a body? Can't imagine it. Can't fathom it. Can't explain it. Can't even make it up. This is outside of our reasoning. That's why Paul says, he calls it a mystery. He says, verse, chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, <laughs> nobody wants to disagree with this. Great is the mystery of, now the word godliness means what God is like. So if somebody's trying to be godly, they're trying to be like what God is like. So great is the mystery of what God is like, of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was revealed in a body. He was justified in the spirit. That's all his miracles. He was seen of angels. He, was, he preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed unto the world, and he went back up into glory. All of that effort was God Emmanueling. Again, I now changed a noun <laughs> to an adverb. He was, he was being Emmanuel, and it's, it's a mystery. I just, I just, listen, that's why I love my Bible. It blows my mind every time I read it, if I just believe it. Third point, the believer has Emmanuel. In him and her. We have the presence of God. We already established that. We skipped a verse back, a couple of verses back there in the Gospel of John, verse 10, 11, 12. I'm going to show you after we we uh, uh, we skip those verses, I want you to see what they said. John chapter 1, verse 10. John 1 10. Speaking of the word that became flesh, it says this. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made by him. And yet the world knew him not. I mean, it's um, there's a lot of work that goes on in our church, and I try to honor the people who put out a lot of effort in, in, in making it work. You know, Eric and Lossers and other people have volunteered and doing a lot of things. But, I mean... What if somebody just did all that work and we didn't know who it was? And here they are, they're sitting with us and um, uh, they've done so much stuff, but they're not recognized. We just pass by, by them, we treat them like a nobody, and yet they're doing so much for the Lord. 
they give to missions, they go soul winning, and nobody knows what they do. Well, okay, that's how they treated Jesus. He's just walking among them, and they went, hey, Jesus, how you doing? And they went on, not knowing that's the creator of the universe. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, but the world, and the world knew him not. He even came into his own, verse 11, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Did you notice? I did not receive faith. I did not just receive forgiveness. I did not just receive pardon and, and love. I received him. When I believed on his name, I got him. John 14. When a person gets saved, they get much more than just the forgiveness of their sins. They get the forgiver of their sins. Isn't that cool? Huh? I mean, there's, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a year, a 100 euro gift or a relationship with the one who gave that 100 euro gift who happens to have 100 million euros in his bank account? Which one would you rather have, the gift or the giver? So when a person gets saved, they not only got the gift, they got the giver. Look at John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man loved me, if we would only just love him, he will actually end up keeping my words, and my Father will love him back. And we, circle that word, we, will come unto him and make our Emmanuel, make our abode with him. Isn't that breathtaking? When, when a person gets saved, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, moves into Craig Ledbetter. 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians to the right. 2 Corinthians 13 in verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. Take a good look at yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and see you for who you are. Hey, if you've got a bad cough, you can't breathe, your lungs feel heavy, you go to the doctor, what does the doctor say? Let's get you in for an x-ray. Let's find out what's going wrong inside your lungs. Let's examine that. Well, you need to examine deeply yourself, whether you be in the faith, whether you even save. Prove your own selves. It ought to be proven to you. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is where? Except you be a fraud, a faker, a reprobate. So the, the question is, do you even know if he's there? I don't know. I don't sense him. Okay. Examine yourselves. Because listen to the promise. Go to Hebrews. To the right, a few more books. Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 5. <clears throat> I'd like you to do me a favor. Since it's Christmas, we're going to substitute a word here and see if you can understand what the word actually is saying. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your, let your Christmas be without covetousness. You see that? Let, when it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, there goes Christmas for a lot of people who only think about things. Nothing wrong with giving your children gifts. Nothing wrong with receiving gifts. But let your life have something more than presence. Let it have the presence. 
Look at verse five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, things, things. For he, Jesus has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The believer has Emmanuel, has the presence of God in them forever. Did you know when we as Christians assemble together like we're doing today, Emmanuel is here right with us right now. What's our verse on the other wall? Matthew 18, 20. But where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them or of you, of them. There I am in the midst of them. There Emmanuel is. Isn't that awesome? When we assemble together, Emmanuel's with us. That's why it's important to have church. Because there's a special blessing. Because it's not just me, you that are here. Jesus is here waiting for us. Here's another thought. And I'm just listening to a few of these things. When we step out of our comfort zone, we actually go out of our way to go soul winning and tell someone how to be saved in the midst of such persecution and mockery and people that don't really want to hear the gospel. Do you know what? When you do that, Jesus says, I'm with you. Matthew 28. Go back to the left, find Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Every nation on this planet needs the gospel, needs Bible preaching, Bible teaching, gospel emphasis, soul winning. So go therefore and teach all nations. Is that an easy task? No. Then you got to baptize them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Whenever you step out and you try to do something for God, you try to serve God, try to do the will of God, I'm with you. Emmanuel is with you. You're not going to do it alone. I am with you all the way, even until the end of the world. So when, when, when you say, I feel so alone, it just feels so hard. I understand all that. I want to I show you some things here in a moment. Um, uh, just realize when, when, when Jesus says, I, I want to be, I want to Emmanuel with you, Craig, today. And when you're in church and when you're praying and reading your Bible, I want you to get close to me because I want to be close to you. Does not the Bible say, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to thee? Doesn't it say that? So there is Jesus everywhere, but there is this closeness and this distance that is happening all the time. And it's up to me how close I get to God. The story is told of an older couple. And this is going back in the 1960s where the, the front seat of the cars and back seats of the cars were benches. There was no, there was no centerpiece. So this couple been married for 50 some odd years. When they first got married, she snuck, snuggled up against him while he's driving. And she was right there, just mm, my man. And he's driving along. And 50 years later, she's all the way over to the other side, leaning against the door. She says, boy, we sure aren't close anymore. And he looks at her and he says, it wasn't I that moved. Hmm. Hmm. You know, when we wonder, God, we're not close anymore. God is going to look at us and say, it wasn't me that moved. 
So there's this relationship. And, and whatever we do, I want what I do to draw me closer. That's why church is important. This does not, this is not a special magic place, but this is a special presence place where under the preaching of the word of God, under, under a yielded attitude, the spirit of God can, can fill you and can, can break you and can change you. My life was changed in a, in a, in a conference, in a series of meetings where they preached on how lost the world was. And if I had stayed home and if I had sat there and watched my television and played my games and did what I wanted, I would still be lost and without, well, lost, I was saved at the point, but I'd still be back in Texas doing nothing for God. But it was at church where Emmanuel met with me and says, I want you. And I says, where do we go? When, when you go soul winning, when you hand that gospel track out, that first one, that second one, that third one, the spiritual juices get flowing. And when somebody says something back to you and you get into discussion and you give them the gospel, you give them your testimony, and they may walk away not interested, but your joy is full. Not because you're doing something, but because somebody showed up there with you. Do you know when we suffer and experience hardship, remember this word, Emmanuel. Go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Again, Christian, if you're saved, Emmanuel. God is with you. When we're at church, Emmanuel. God is with us. When we step out of our comfort zone, go soul winning, get the gospel out, tell somebody you need to be saved, Emmanuel. God is with you. And when you're suffering, when you're experiencing hardship, remember this word. Remember this name. Emmanuel, Isaiah 43. I hope you never forget this truth and apply it to the scriptures as you read it. Look for Emmanuel everywhere now. Isaiah 43 in verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, and he's not talking about just a little bathtub. He's talking about a raging, flooded river. When you're passing through that water, I will Emmanuel. I will be with thee. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. How is it that a Christian can go through such heartache where anybody else would, would die, where anybody else would turn to drugs and drink? How is it that a Christian can stay joyful, can stay faithful, can keep going? How? Because of Emmanuel, because I am with you. Water does not just run away from me. Trouble doesn't just run away from me. It is attracted to me, <laughs> right? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, but not with Emmanuel. Go to chapter 41, chapter 41 and verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10, fear thou not, for I am Emmanuel. I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Dismayed means to the point where you just want to give up. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with, my, with the right hand of my righteousness. Who's the one that's going to get you through? Your own health, your own strength, your own wisdom, your own church, your own money? Emmanuel will. When you're suffering hardship, just remember that name. I love the name Jesus. We worship Jesus. But we forget Christmas is about God wanting to be near the likes of me. And that's a pretty good deal, don't you think? 
That's a pretty good thing that God actually wants to spend time with me. He wants to be with me at every good thing going on in my life. Now, that develops into the purpose. We need Emmanuel. We need Emmanuel for our conversion. You couldn't be saved without God becoming a man. There, was, there were plenty of lambs throughout the Old Testament. Somebody had an estimate of hundreds of thousands of lambs slaughtered. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden where two initial lambs were slaughtered, rather large lambs, to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. But hundreds and hundreds of thousands, I don't know, maybe millions uh, of, of, of lambs slaughtered throughout history. Not one of them could save anybody. Every one of them pointed to someone else who would come, someone who could die and, and pay for the sins of the whole world. Salvation was and is the main reason for the coming of Emmanuel. There is no relationship without forgiveness, would you agree? If there is an argument between me and, and uh, Alan, and Alan has offended me, ain't no way I'm going to look at him. I'll be walking on the street, he'll be walking on the street, and I'll look away. Somehow, two enemies have to be reconciled, God and I. And who reconciled us? Jesus Christ. And he reconciled us, not by the wave of his hand, not by a commandment of God, but by coming into this world and being Jesus. He had to come to be our Savior. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to seal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I'm come that they might have life. I came, I entered into this world, Jesus says, that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. John 1, 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus. He sees the, the person of Jesus Christ coming out of the crowd to get baptized. And he says, behold, that's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. God became a man to take away our sin. John 3, 17, we know 3, 16, God so loved the world. Did you know John 3, 17 says that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world because we're already condemned, but to save them that believe. Isn't that awesome? But that the world through him might be saved. So Emmanuel came for a conversion, came to save us. I like that. If that's all Jesus ever did, I'm happy. Amen. But that's not all he did. Emmanuel tells us there's more to Jesus than just Savior. Secondly, Closeness. Now, this, I thought I knew what communion meant until I looked it up in the dictionary. You ever had that thought? You thought you knew what a word meant until you looked it up? It is so rich. Emmanuel is how God allows and enables a fellowship between me and Him. And you know, prayer is communing with the Almighty God and even relating with Him. Let me show you this. Our sin has separated all of mankind from such a holy, infinite, almighty God. And yet, because of Emmanuel, and a simple, heart -like, re heartfelt repentance and childlike faith, God gives a direct access to himself. Hebrews 4, to the right. Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16. You know a lot of that. I'm not telling you anything new, but I want to show you some great truths about Emmanuel. Man, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16.
4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly. Now, I know some children are bold, but that's not what it means there. When it says bold there, it means be courageous. Don't be fearful. Don't be hesitant. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Who's sitting on the throne of grace? Almighty God, that we may obtain mercy, not his wrath, and find grace to help in time of need. I can approach, I can walk right up to God Almighty and call him Abba. I don't know if you ever saw some of the old pictures of John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy had two little children. And uh, I think they were both girls, weren't they? No, one had, I can't remember if he had a boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. And he's the President of the United States back in 19, just before I was born. And uh, they had pictures of him. He'd be on the phone talking to Khrushchev or somebody, I don't know, and doing big presidential business. And his kids would bolt in the room and go, Daddy! And he'd stop everything, says, I'll call you back. And he'd put the phone down, and they'd climb up into his lap, and they'd hug him. And the photographers are going crazy. And he says, okay, Daddy's got to get back to business. Love you. And they'd head off, and they'd go play again. I get to do that with God. I get to go right up into his lap. I'm able to ask him for anything. I couldn't do that with the President of the United States. I couldn't do that with the Taoiseach. I couldn't do that with anybody else. Like, I can do it with God. Emmanuel is there to provide for closeness and communion. Go to 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians. This is where it gets awesome. Communion. You ever thought of that word? It's not just a religious word. Think of this word's meaning. 2 Corinthians 13 in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know where the Trinity is? throughout your Bible. But here's one. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The communion of the Holy Ghost. Let me put it this way. The communion of the presence of God. That's what the Holy Ghost is in this world right now. He's invisible, but it's Him. Uh, communion means companionship. It is a mutual relationship as equals. Now, I don't know if you can understand this. I'm not equal to God in the communion of the Holy Ghost is that I'm not equal in authority or in ability, but I'm equal in that I'm in the family. I am in the family of God. I was not just baptized or homogenized or catechized. I was born again into the family of God. And communion means that God treats me like I'm someone that has something in common with him. All right. So I'm driving down the road, and I've got my 2007 Avensis. I think it's a cool car. Until a guy with a 300,000-year-old Lamborghini drives up next to me. What do we have in common except four wheels? <laughs> we have no I couldn't say, hey, you know, we have nothing in common. There's no way we could commune. I could just talk about my wheels are bigger than your wheels. I couldn't even talk about that. How can I have communion with God? We have nothing in common. Yes, we do. Jesus. Emmanuel makes God and me have a relationship on the basis of Jesus. Why do we, why do we say in Jesus' name when we pray? Because he's the reason why we can get answers to it. He's the common, he's the bridge to God. So when you pray, don't say, hey, God, you owe me, because he doesn't. Hey, God, have pity on me. No. Hey, God, would you do this? 
in Jesus' name. I'm asking in his name. I'm asking for his sake. Lord says, sure. <laughs> because that's what we have in common. And I can talk to him. I can walk with him because of Emmanuel. The Holy Ghost in me communes with me as if I belong in the family. Of God. I belong. Eric comes into my house at 10 o'clock at night, kicks his feet up on the chair and grabs something out of the fridge. I'm throwing him out on his ear. He doesn't belong. Go home. But I go right up to the throne of God because I belong. Emmanuel proves that. Phew. What else does Emmanuel, what is he showing us? He's for calm, peace, and rest. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Again, I'm mean, encourage you, Wednesday nights, we're, saw, we're starting Psalm 119. If you're not going to do the whole psalm, we'll be here for three years. <laughs> but Psalm 119 is breathtaking. It's all about the Word of God. But Psalm 119 and verse 114, listen to what Emmanuel is. Psalm 119, verse 114, Thou art my hiding place. And my shield. How is that possible unless he's here? I can't get to heaven. Can can you can anybody get in a rocket? Elon Musk is trying to build a rocket to Mars. Okay. I'm going way past Mars one of these days. <laughs> I will surpass Elon. But I can get into the very presence of God and he surrounds and he protects. Look what it says again. You're my hiding place. You're my shield. <clears throat> I Hope in what you promise. I hope in thy word. So you don't have to run to the doctor constantly. You don't have to go to the psychiatrist. You don't have to go to the chemist. Don't go to your good time, Charlie, friends. You need the presence of God is what you probably need. One of the things, and I, I'm very careful, when somebody's got a problem, there's kind of a list you go through. But one of the things that's very important to establish, do you have a relationship with God? Because your problem may be, your kids, your job, your health, your husband, your wife, I don't know. But they're, they're not, fixing them is not your answer. You know what your answer is? Getting in the presence of God and staying there. I'll talk about that when I finish here in just a moment. Um, Romans 15, Romans chapter 15. Blow you away with this verse. Romans 15, in verse 33. Romans 15, 33. I want you to notice what Paul prayed for when he was praying for the persecuted Christians in Rome. He said this in Romans 15, 33. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now, how many of you ever been to a church where it says, and the peace of God go with you? Isn't that what they pray? That's not what Paul prayed. What did he pray? Now the God of peace be with you which would you rather a bit of rest or the god of rest the god of peace to go with you the author of peace hmm. you know emmanuel is the reason why i can be at peace is because he said he'd never leave me he'd never forsake me i can't take it to all the scriptures in john jesus said my peace leave i unto you. I leave it to you. I want your joy to be full. He gives us by his presence what we could never have anywhere else in this world. 
one more thought. It's for comfort and for, uh, for encouragement. Actually, two more thoughts. Psalm 23, I'm not even going to have you look at it. You ought to know. Psalm 23, verse 4, what does it say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Emmanuel, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Think about this. Emmanuel is there for comfort. John 14, 16. Go there. Go to John 14 and verse 16. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Who was the comforter up until that moment? It was Jesus. It's a great comfort to be around Jesus. You never lacked anything, did you? When Jesus was here, anybody was sick, Jesus touched them. They were healed. Jesus spoke. They were healed. They needed food. Uh, they needed money. And Peter would go fishing. They find money in the mouth of the fish. There was nothing but comfort and rest. I, I just can't tell you. Jesus was a great comforter. He says, but when I go, I will give you another comforter. Well, my father will give you another comforter that he may abide with you, abide with you, stay with you forever. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. What is the Holy Spirit? It is Jesus. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in your life. More scriptures. Actually, maybe a few more. <laughs> For courage and boldness. Emmanuel, Acts 4, Acts chapter 4. Oop, don't go there. Acts chapter 4, and verse 31. Yes, he gives us calm, comfort, but courage. Acts 4, 31. One of the ways you know somebody's full of the Holy Spirit is they want to go soul winning. They want to talk about the Lord. They can't shut up about Jesus. Uh, Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. Eric, you'd have to fix all the cracks in the walls if we had this kind of a meeting. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they all spake the word of God with boldness. When the Holy Spirit showed up and filled them, they got bold. They got courageous. They got Excited. Mm. I was uh, uh, in town, uh, hand out tracks, and I went out there. Tony was supposed to meet me. Tony Manny was out, was supposed to meet me there. And I got there a little early, and then it went on for a little bit past the time, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and nobody was taking a track. And I got very discouraged. I kind of just felt like I don't want to do this. And I just, uh. so I packed up everything and I started to head towards across the street and head back towards the car. And I'd given up. And then Tony came. And as soon as Tony showed up and looked at me, and I looked at him and I says, I'm going to stay. <laughs> and we stood there and we handed out tracks for the next hour and a half. It turned into a great afternoon. We got to talk to lots of different people. The point is this, it's nice when there's somebody with you. When you feel like you're doing things alone, it dies. But the presence of the Holy Spirit of God the fullness of the Spirit that I want to focus on this Christmas. Instead of presence under the tree, I want the fullness of the presence of God in my life so that I can be courageous, I can be bold, I can be Christian. 
because it is so easy to miss God's presence, even as a Christian. Remember, John 1 says he, Jesus, was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. You know, Jesus can pass right by you, right over you, and you not even know it. Jesus can be so easily missed in all of our busyness. He can be dismissed by our arrogant pride. He can be blocked by our sins. He can be grieved by our hard hearts and he can be quenched by our love only for this world. That's why 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves. See if you be in the faith. Prove your own selves that Jesus Christ is in you. Prove it. Prove it to yourself. Because it's so easy to miss his presence. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the characteristics of Emmanuel. What's it like? What is, what is Emmanuel like in a believer? The signs of Emmanuel in us and the joy of Emmanuel. That's probably going to be the last week before Christmas. But the saddest part of this whole series is going to be this. This question, why would people miss the presence of God? Why would they exchange the giver just so they can have a gift? So many Christians got salvation and thought that was all they could have. So, would you really like to enjoy Christmas this year? Then let's focus our attention on the presence of God more than any present under the tree. Let me ask you a question. How close are you? In God. Is there, is there a sense of not very, not very close at all? And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known what's that hymn called i come to the garden alone to pray we need to do and i'm going to talk about this next week we need to do a good inventory finding out what bitterness is in our life because if there is any bitterness at all there is no presence there's no closeness between us and god secret sins things your mother doesn't know about things you're that you've got going on that you're comfortable with, sins you've become so accustomed to that you don't even see it in yourself. You see it in everybody else, you don't see it in yourself. If you want the Spirit of God, if you desperately want to be filled, ask God to reveal what is blocking it. And then ask God not for any gift this Christmas except one, to be filled with the Spirit. It is offered. Draw nigh to God. Not just on Sunday, but all day, every day. And walk in the Spirit. Wouldn't that be a great Christmas? Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we get a chance to meet together, and it's been wonderful. Thank you for allowing us to assemble together. But we get a chance at Christmas to focus on the Emmanuel of Christmas, the presence of Jesus in our lives. And I don't want anybody in this room being comfortable with what they already have in Jesus. They're, they're saved, they're already forgiven. Amen. But is that all they want? Is that all there is? That most Christians are very, very, very cold, distant. Prayer is 
is mechanics. The Bible is, 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 is an old book. Church is a duty. Family is hard. Love is impossible. And Lord, I ask you to break all that down and, 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 and turn it all around and make this Christmas the best ever. In spite of COVID and 2020, let it all go. And, and Lord, if we could get this one present, the present of your presence, if we could get that in our homes, we get that in our life. If every moment from this moment on, we would spend with you, whether at work, anywhere, if we could practice the presence of God. I know you'd be pleased, but I know you'd actually change the world. It starts with us. So please, I pray, if there's somebody in here who's not saved, have them come talk to me. God, settle this thing, make this thing. Jesus wants to save. Pray somebody would get saved, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing. We need thee every hour.